Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Dale Allen Rouse, author of the new novel, Handsome Devils, the Language and Light series, book one. Dale, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Well, if someone listening hasn't yet heard about your novel, Handsome Devils, how would you describe the novel? Uh, In short, I kind of wanted to do something that would kind of express my work as a shamanic practitioner. Because a lot of people don't really understand what shamanism is. A lot of people have heard about it, but they think it's some kind of like voodoo or something or whatever. So I wanted to create a tale that would kind of walk people through that process. And so I kind of landed on Nikolai Tesla, who I've always found a super interesting character. So in a way, it has some historical um, you know, reference to it because the, the stories actually follow the actual life of Nikolai Tesla. And once I had identified that he was going to be the main character, I always like to have like a balance point on the other side for the other character, right? Like a, a Grace and Frankie kind of experience, right? And so knowing that Nikolai Tesla was this incredible scientist, I needed a polar opposite to that to kind of make the story interesting. And what I landed on was uh, basically a shamanic practitioner, someone who really deals in energy work and magic, if you will. And so those are the two characters. And while it's, yeah, kind of set as the backdrop of a gay romance, it's not really a romance novel. It's really uh, an exploration of energy work and core shamanism. So, you know, it's a series of books. It's episodic. And each book kind of takes you through the next, you know, phase of their life. Well, you just mentioned that you're a shamanic practitioner. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about that? Like, I mean, you said that you wrote the book to kind of explain it. So I wonder if you can give kind of a, a, um, a quick explanation of the work that you do. Yeah, great question. Because a lot of people, you know, like I said, really don't understand what shamanism is. Shamanism essentially is energy work. A shaman is a doctor of the soul, right? So what we deal in is everything from energy work, attachments, anything from, you know, like, why is your life not moving in the right direction? An example I give a lot of the time is, you know, people often sit at home and feel lonely and, you know, wonder why nobody cares about them. But then the phone rings five minutes later and they're annoyed. Like, why are you calling me? And it's that kind of like energy work where people get stuck because they don't recognize how they're getting in their own way energetically in order to move forward. Because what they're sending into the universe is exact, you know, opposite messaging. So nothing happens. So core shamanism is really getting into the energy work of your words, your intention, like how I actually stumbled into this. Well, I I have a couple of relatives who are First Nations. So I was always kind of around it back in Canada at home. But then when I got into business coaching and started studying manifesting and manifesting business, that's what kind of led me down that path. And I was like, oh, there's an actual science to this, a science that has existed for eons and that the people who were originally here knew about. It's how to create things in your own life by using essentially the energy field of you. 
That's great. And I'm curious, do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write Handsome Devils? Uh, yeah, actually. So when COVID came along and we just had, you know, a lot of time at home, I decided to sit down and just write my story. And while it kind of started as kind of a trauma journal, <laughs> you know, it, it evolved over time. And once I was able to kind of unearth my garbage, right? And again, that's core shamanism right there, right? Getting into the depths of what's holding you back and examining it and looking at it and really, you know, not letting it bedevil you moving forward because it happened in the past. You got to leave it in the past. And it wasn't until I wrote the first trilogy of books that I really went through that process of unearthing all the garbage that I've had to live through. And then um, I started the second series, the Language and Light series, which was kind of a counterpoint to the first trilogy, which was kind of dark, right? Because <laughs> it just dealt in a lot of trauma. And once I was done with that, I'm like, okay, got that out of the way. I want to do something that has a vibration that when the reader goes through the journey, that the main character's ahas becomes the reader's ahas. And my intention was to help people evolve, essentially, in their own consciousness by reading this book. Well, I'm curious, you mentioned that it's a gay romance and you mentioned Nikolai Tesla. What, was Tesla gay? Yes, at least as far as I, all the research I've read. Sure, sure. Um, and I, I did I did some research myself before uh, the interview. So um, I'm curious, you, you write in Handsome Devils about the birth of conversion therapy in 1886, but it's told from the perspective of, of the character Melvin Vaughn, who's a part werewolf Nordic pagan. How did you right. decide to tackle conversion therapy with a part werewolf character? Yeah. So again, going back to the main characters, right? So uh, Nikolai Tesla being science and Melvin Vaughn being magic, right? And between them kind of, you know, having uh, an interesting conversation, if you will. Now, conversion therapy, I so is a topic that's unfortunately very near and dear to my heart. I was raised in a very abusive, you know, Christian home uh, that was extremely toxic in its heteronormativity um, and, you know, punitive uh, towards any expression of queerness. So that was my upbringing. And it just, I, I won't go into the gory details, but it's why I had to rewrite the first trilogy <laughs> uh, <laughs> to unearth all of that. So I don't have a really good view of, you know, religion just in general, because, you know, every practicing, you know, Jewish person, every Mormon, every Christian, all uses literature that names me as an, as an abomination, right? And so, like, I've just had to live my entire life under the weight of that, not to mention in a family where, you know, they were trying to actually take steps to institutionalize me. And so it's um, something that I think isn't exposed and talked about enough it's something that, uh, you know, it's probably estimated that a million men have gone through conversion therapy at some point, and the most common outcome for that is suicide. And why are we not dealing with this? Why are we not dealing with this head on? I don't understand why there's no love in the religious communities that I have experienced towards this, you know, towards us, towards the queer community. Where do the arts live? The arts live with us. 
right? There's richness there. There's so much that we can bring to the table if you just provide a seat for us. You know, so I really wanted to get into that and explore because it's really interesting. In 1886 was the same year that Nikolai Tesla moved to America was the same year that conversion therapy was coined as a phrase. And so it was from that point forward that um, the local authorities started to really crack down on, you know, any expression of queerness. And so it's, it's an interesting journey. And I find it so fascinating how these two stories really meld together. Um, and I just thought, you know, it was a good way to make a, a tale that's quite harrowing, right? Because these guys are trying to, you know, escape essentially being lobotomized, which is what faith communities did, you know, for many, many years to queer people. And like, people don't even know that. Like there are receipts of thousands and thousands and thousands of gay men who have been lobotomized by faith communities and governments that nobody knows about. And I, so I just wanted to bring, you know, shed some light on the topic. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sure. Well, you mentioned this first trilogy, which you referred to as trauma journals. Did you publish those as well, or was that something you just wrote for yourself? So I'm actually looking for a literary agent to help me with that. Mm -hmm. It's a series of real books of, of, you know, each book is probably close to 400 pages. It's, it's not a small work. So it's something I have to publish as a real book through a publishing house or self-published, whatever. The, the other um, books are kind of 100 page, very small, you know, print on demand. So it was easy for me to get those out the door on Amazon, like, you sure. know, done deal. But uh, the first trilogy, you know, it, it just holds a really special place for me in my heart and in my life because it's my story. 
And so I just didn't want to just hand it off to anybody. And until I have, you know, some more professional advice and direction, I'm holding on to that trilogy until it finds the right home. Sure. Well, I know the the language of light series, the novels that we've been talking about. Um, you've also released book two in that series already, An Army Awakens. Um, why did you decide to release book one and two together? Yeah, great question. Because I really wanted people to kind of get into the story. And I uh, we're going to be publishing book three in the next week. So because I knew I had book three kind of, you know, pretty much ready, I was okay with launching the first two books to really kind of make an impact, knowing that I had another launch just a few weeks away. That's great. Well, I'm curious, what was your writing process when you were writing this trilogy of novels? Did you outline the novels extensively before you wrote them, or did you did you just dive into the narrative? How did that work for you? Yeah, that's a really interesting process because I'm not a planner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, I am not. I don't have that. You know ability as a human to use all that left brain thinking, which, you know, is in charge of schedules and, you know, all that planning and stuff. Like, I just don't have that ability. I live very much in a right brain world, which is music and symphonies and, you know, all that business. So when I sat down to write my book, I kind of just let it tell me what it wanted to be, if you will. And that was a process that has changed my life. Because what I discovered is that I actually have a really unique ability to do a thing. And I was doing it long before I even uh, knew there was a term for it, but it's called automatic writing Mm -hmm. and it's a spiritual process. And in shamanism, we describe it as being the hollow bone, right? To be uh, a conduit, if you will, from to beyond us, right? And so it was me kind of like centering myself in that idea of removing myself from myself so that I could be open to information. Because again, I wasn't planning anything. I'm like, okay, God, what are we doing? (laughs) (laughs) Right. And it was really me learning to leverage that skill and listen to that inkling that led me to automatic writing. And I write a book probably in 10 days. I write as fast as I can because as the information is coming to me, I'm typing as fast as I can because it's so fleeting, like the information. And and I just really learned to trust it. And it blows my mind because I'm learning what's coming out onto the page as it's happening. And like, there's so many times where it's like, I don't know why it's telling me to do this in chapter three, but I'll do it anyways. And then in chapter six, it makes sense and it loops back up. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so much more brilliant than anything I could have ever come up with. You know, so this process of getting into the spiritual practice of automatic writing is how I kind of wrote these books and, and why I write books so fast. That's great. Well, I'm curious, what books have you read recently, either fiction or nonfiction that you have enjoyed? Yeah. Return of the Bird Tribes is really blowing my mind right now. It's a book by Ken Carey. He also um, does the same process for writing. He essentially, you know, just channels books in in the way that I do. And this uh, book, Return of the Bird Tribes, like I said, it's blowing my mind because what he's doing is he's channeling information from the uh, original people of Earth, essentially. And it walks you through how, you know, we kind of evolved as a species. And uh, I mean, everything from, 
you know, who is the angel nation and where do they live and how do they fit into the big picture? And so just for my spiritual practice and understanding core shamanism, this has been, uh, I mean, a total game changer. It's, it's a really amazing book. That's great. Well, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your Language and Light trilogy? Yeah, you can go to daleallenrouse.com. Um, and then all my social media is just at Dale Allen Rouse. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Dale Allen Rouse, author of the new novels, Handsome Devils and An Army Awakens. And the third book in the trilogy will be out soon. The novels are on sale now, so go buy a copy. And Dale, thanks for doing this interview. Thanks so much. Great. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.